I'll share some thoughts that I guess I've been learning from the Lord lately and hopefully they're an encouragement to you because I don't think Job was the only person in history that ever struggled with something. I think, you know, if we're, you know, we're pretty good at covering it up, aren't we? I mean, I don't put makeup on, but um, we cover up our struggles. We cover up discouragement in all different ways. You know, you might put makeup on it. You might dye it a different colour. You might dress it up with a tie and a suit. You might drive it in a Mercedes Benz. But when you peel it all back, we're all human beings and we all go through times of difficulty and discouragement, times where we feel like throwing in the town. Tonight's message is called just keep walking. Just keep walking. With a with a caveat of maybe it's called be I'm sorry, take courage. Just keep walking. Take courage. Alright? So you've got your Bibles open to Job chapter 23. And here we have Job, he's in the middle, closer to the end of the trial he's been through. He's lost everything except his wife and his life. Job has lost all of his children. All of his children have died. There have been times, if I'm totally honest with you, that I'm glad my children aren't around. But if I was to hope that they would die, that's, a, that's another thing altogether. Job lost his children. They died. There was no talking to them. There was no them talking to him. Lost them. He lost all of his cattle, all that he owned. Burnt down, stolen. His wife ended up despising him. And Job was then covered in sores and boils. His life was ebbing away. And he went through an immense, immense struggle, immense discouragement, immense heartache. I wouldn't wish that kind of life or treatment on my own worst enemy. And here we have Job. He's got friends around him that are trying their very best to console him through it. And again and again, we see that even in the Old Testament, there's this mentality that if you're going through a hard time, like if God is punishing you for something or if you know stuff's happening that's really difficult and you can't explain it and you're getting discouraged, then it must be because you've done something wrong. It must be because you've sinned that this thing has happened. And I've heard that in churches. I've heard that before in churches. I've, I've heard it from people's mouths in churches and, and in prayer meetings. You know, we're praying for someone's sickness. That sickness has come because they've sinned or, or because of something bad, you know, and, and, it's, and it's not always the way. That's not always the way. Here's Job, for example. We don't see anything unrighteous about Job. Can't find it. Can't find anything. He doesn't curse God to his face, even in this whole episode of heartache, years upon years of, of torment for poor Job. He never curses God. He never sins. He seems to be a righteous man. And so then we come to this section in Job chapter 23, verse 8, where he comes, he comes to... He, said, he says to his friend Eli, Eliphaz, 
if I was to go to God, like if he was a judge somewhere where I could meet him, like under a tree or in some other time, if I could go and meet God, and if I declare to him all, all that I've got to say, then he wouldn't, he wouldn't uh, judge me as uh, he would, I'd be acquitted forever, he says. But then he says in verse 8, he says, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I do not perceive him. I go east, I go west, I go north, I go south. I can't see God anywhere. I don't perceive he's with me. I'm going through this hard time. Where is God in it? I know no one ever has said that before in your life. But some people do. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? Where's God in that? I can't see God in that. And Job, Job is saying he can't see God. He can't see God. He goes, I go forward, I go back. He's not there. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. Job is saying, I can't see God. But that doesn't stop me from believing that he's working. Even if I can't see God, even if I can't feel God, says Job, I still believe that he's working. I'm just turning at the wrong place at the wrong time to miss what he's doing. I'm not seeing what he's doing. I'm just seeing his fingerprints on things. Does that make sense to anyone? I don't know if you've ever been there before, but Job, Job is right there now. And if you are in that place of discouragement, it can happen to anyone. It doesn't matter if you're a poor person or a rich person, a, a successful person or, a, or an, an unemployed person. It doesn't matter. Discouragement creeps in to every single town, every single street, every single home, every single person. It can creep in and it can say to you, give up. Life's not worth it. This struggle is not worth it. Maybe it's time to give up. And that's what the devil would love for all of us to do. He'd love for us just to, just to give up, to throw in the towel and to give up. But Job wants to teach us something, something special. And uh, hopefully I can get it right tonight. The first thing is this. God's got a plan. God has got a plan for you. If you're taking notes, write it down. It's true. God has got a plan for you. If you're a believer, it's true. If you're an unbeliever, it's true. Every single person that's been created has a plan and a purpose. Every single person, from the youngest to the oldest, to the most gifted to the less talented, from the most experienced to the... Every single person has a plan. Every single one has a plan. God has a plan for you. The tragedy sometimes comes, though, where we, we might know what the plan is or we might know what the destination might be. And so we try and shortcut that plan. It's like pulling fruit off a tree that's not quite ripe yet. All you're going to get is bitterness. But you have to, if you wait for the right time, that fruit will be ripe and ready. You know, sometimes I know in my life, 
I feel like I know better than God, even though I don't believe that, my actions prove otherwise. Here's an example. This week, our family moved down from Queensland to Victoria to, to obey God. He called us down here, whether it's to plant a church or to serve the, in a community or to, to reach people with the gospel. He called us down here, we know that. And we're still in that kind of waiting to, to see the amazing thing which we believe God called us down here for. And we're in that place where it's frustrating. It's a frustrating place to, to be waiting. It's, it's, it can be a time where we can procrastinate as well in that time of waiting. But God has a plan. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for me. God has a plan. Sometimes we like to shortcut the plan. The, the plan, though, that God has for you and for me is not so much about the destination as it is about the development. You see, I could, I could give my car keys to my youngest son today and say, here you go, take the car to the beach, have fun, take your surfboard. And he's 11. Would, would that be a loving choice? Would that be a loving decision? He thinks so. But time would tell that he is not ready for that. that, that he's just not prepared for that. I am. I've got the car. The car is ready to go. I've got the keys. I can give him the keys. The beach is waiting for him to get there. But giving him the car keys at the age of 11, would I be a loving father if I was to do that? If I waited until he was 18 with his driver's license, it'd be a whole different story. You see, if I gave him the keys too early, that would be a curse. It's a bit like the prodigal son story. Most people know the prodigal son story in Luke chapter 15, where Jesus talks about two sons that have an inheritance. And the father has this inheritance that he, that he has. It's already there. And one of the sons is happy to wait until the father passes that on. But the other son decides that he wants it straight away. He wants the plan straight away. He wants his father's inheritance before it's ready. He ends up, the father ends up giving him the inheritance. And instead of being a blessing, to the son, it ends up being a curse to him. It actually drives him away from the father. You know, I think sometimes God, well, actually always God, he gives the blessing in due time, not because it's not ready, but because I'm not ready. And I think when Jeremiah talks about the the plans that God has for us in Jeremiah 29, 11. He's talking about the plans that, that he has for Israel uh, in coming back from captivity in Babylon. But I think it's more than that too because God's, no, God's not so much more concerned about their destination as he is about their development as people. You know, God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans to prosper you 
and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. It's like sometimes we think the plan is over there and we've got to go to it. You know, that's the blessing that God has for us. And we travel towards that while God's getting it ready for us. But really, why shouldn't we think that actually we're actually part of God's plan? And God's plan is to develop in us something, to teach us something. You know, it says in Psalm 37, I think, 23, Psalm 37, it says this, the, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he won't stumble. God will lift him up by the hand. That's Ian's paraphrase. But there's, there's steps to take. And God has got you on a journey of trusting Jesus day by day, step by step, lesson by lesson, if you're willing to learn. And, and Jesus is more concerned about developing than he is about destination. Just look at the disciples, for example. Jesus had 12 disciples. You know, why did Jesus choose 12 disciples? Why didn't he just decide, hey, I'm just going to tell some people around here the good news and then die on a cross so that he could pay for our sins? Because that's why Jesus came, right? To pay for our sins, to make a way for us to get to heaven. But though he chose 12 men and spent three years with them, developing them, developing them, developing their character, pruning off bits and pieces that weren't right, attitudes that were wrong, that weren't aligned with God's kingdom. And that's what Jesus was all about. Even to the very end, he was developing leaders. And they were just average fishermen. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. Also, God knows your plan. Why don't I know my plan, God? Give me the plan. Give me the details. Before I was a pastor, I was a draftsman. I, I learned uh, my, one of my first jobs was to be a draftsman in an air conditioning company, an engineering company that uh, that we put in air conditioning for hotel high rises and shopping centres and hospitals and big jobs. Uh, RAAF base out at uh, wherever it was. Big jobs, and my job was to draw up plans for the construction of air conditioning in a building. Now, was the building built yet? No. Was the air conditioning ducting built yet? No. But I was making plans for it to happen. And I knew what the plans were before anyone on the job site knew what the plan was. But as soon as they were shown step one of the plan, they obeyed and they did their job. I didn't send them all of the plans at once. And it's a bit like that with us. You know, God's trying to teach you and me something today. And it's different for all of us. If, if our ears, if the ears of our hearts and the eyes of our hearts are open enough, we can hear it. I don't know. Is God trying to teach you something lately? Is it, is it patience? Is it still patience? Is God still trying to teach you patience? Well, good. Learn the lesson. Because as we go step by step with Jesus, sometimes sometimes some of us are a little bit hard of hearing and sometimes it takes a little while for us to learn the lesson. Some of my kids are nodding right now. We Sometimes, it, you know, the lesson we didn't learn with Harry, we're going to have to learn with Frank down the road. The, the lesson we didn't learn at that job, we're going to have to learn at that job, you know, because God wants to develop us to become whole uses. <laughs> In fact, when, when Job says, in verse 10, 
Job says, um, but he knows the way that I take. He's actually saying, he knows the way that is in me. That's what Job is saying. It's a Hebrew phrase. He knows the way that is in me. It's like if I had a tomato seed right here with, with me. I don't have one. I should have got one before, but I forgot. If I had a tomato seed in my hand, in that seed is a tomato plant waiting to happen, right? Given the right conditions, the right soil, the right light, the right uh, environment and time, that tomato seed will develop the way that is in it, you know, the DNA of it or whatever it's called in a plant. It's, it's what, what, what it is given time and the right conditions. And Job is saying that. He's saying, I trust God so much that he has a plan for me and he knows, he knows what I'm made of. Turn to the person next to you and say, he knows what I'm made of. If there's no person next to you, that's okay. No one knows. But God knows what you're made of. Each and every one of us are not cookie cutters, cookie cutting, cookie cutter. Oh, you know what I mean? We're not the same. We're unique. And especially if we're born again, God has given us all individual little gifts and he uses the quirks and he uses the, the experiences of our past, whether they be bad or good. And he shapes us to be the full us we can be. Here is proof of this, right? I'm not boasting, but I haven't always been like this. God has done a work in my heart over the last 20-something years. If I'm willing enough to learn from him, I can change. I wonder, though, if, uh, you know, one of the things, if, if you see something happening again and again in your life, then maybe God is trying to teach you something so that it doesn't happen again. You know, maybe he's trying to teach you a lesson in that period. I'll be praying for you in that. But God knows your plan. He knows the way that is within you. And he's more concerned about your development than about your destination. I've heard it said this way. God is not preparing a destination for you as much as he is preparing you for your destination. There's Jesus' disciples, for example. And sometimes people will come to you or cross your path or situations will happen where, where you're tempted to, to shortcut the process. But there's always a process. You know, even Jesus, once when he was feeding, just before he fed 5,000 people, they thought, this guy's amazing. Let's make him king by force. And it says that Jesus ducked away out of the crowd. You know, and, and even on Palm Sunday, where Jesus comes in on the great procession on the donkey, people were, were praising him and thinking, this is the king. He's going to overthrow Rome and everything like that. But it wasn't Jesus's way. You know, he, he yes, he's the king. Yes, he was going to get a crown. But before that ever happened, he had to endure the cross. And for you and I, it's the same thing. We have to endure something in order to get the blessing. We have to endure something. We, we have to know what it feels like to be sick before we can praise God for our health. You know, you'll never know what it's like to praise God for your health unless you've been sick. Some people are thanking God for their eyesight because they nearly lost it. <coughs> Some people are thanking God for another day to live 
because they're, they're going through chemo or there's, there's uncertainty about the future for their life. There's, you know, there has to be a cross before there's a crown. There has to be some kind of process. And maybe God has got you in the middle of a process right now. What are you going to do? Well, he, let's look at Job. So we must learn from Job. First of all, he says in verse 10 that, yeah, he knows, but he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. I shall come out as gold. It's, it's, a, tri- it's, a, it's a trial. It's a test. And, and he's, he's the one who knows the way. He, he's going to use you. He's going to be with you through it all. And in verse 11, he says, My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and have not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. You know what you do in the waiting? What you do in the waiting when you're waiting on God's promise for you is you trust him. You get his word open. You get the Bible open and you you stay on track. You, verse 10b, uh, your foot, sorry, verse 11, your foot, he says, my foot has held fast to his steps. You keep in step with God. You keep in step with God. You know, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And then Paul goes on to say, we keep, we need to keep, make every effort to keep in step with the spirit of God. Jesus did that. Every, everything that he said, he heard his father say first. He never just flippantly did something. He was doing something in obedience to his father all the time through. And that's what we should do in the waiting. When you don't have that success story just yet and you're still waiting on God to come through and it seems like he's not there, trust him. Keep in step with his Holy Spirit. Open your word. Open the Bible. Let him speak to you through that. Job says, I have kept his way and have not turned aside. Obedience, that's all it is. Obedience, keeping his way. Keeping God's way. Don't shortcut the process. God's got an amazing plan up ahead. You just have to trust him. And he says in verse 12, I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. In other words, I know what God wants for me. I know what his commands are for me. Have you gone through the Gospels and seen what Jesus commanded his disciples to do? Well, you should, because at the end of it, he gives the Great Commission and he says, go go forth into all the world and uh, make disciples. Teach them all that I have commanded you. You know, if you want to fulfill the Great Commission, you need to find out what God commanded you, what Jesus commanded you. Love your neighbour as yourself. Do good to those who hurt you. Pray to those who persecute you. Look at all the commands of Jesus. There's lots of them. Just obedience, just holiness, just trusting him, doing what you can to serve him in the waiting. Because you know why? Verse 14 says, he will complete what he appoints for me. That's what Job says. He will complete what he appoints for me. See, God has appointed something for you. God has appointed a plan for you and for me. Each and every one of us has a plan. God has a plan for you. God knows your plan. And God will bring it to completion. Is it uh, Philippians 1 verse 6? The God who began a good work in you will bring it on to completion 
at the day of Christ. We go from glory to glory. We change day by day. You know, sometimes we compare ourselves with those that are around us and we think, I'm not doing any good because look at their success story. And comparison can rob you of your joy and it can bring discouragement. Which leads me to the next thing we need to do in, in that time, in that waiting time where you're, where you're trusting God and you haven't seen the plan develop yet, but you're still in that process and you're taking those steps of following him and obeying him is this is it. You've got to take courage. Take courage, because what the devil would love to do is take your courage from you. He would love to bring discouragement. A dis discouraged Christian is, is music to the devil's ears. He loves it when we're discouraged. He loves it when we lose hope. He loves it when we stop believing. He loves us to, to use our physical eyes and our, and our physical senses and not our faith. He loves it. He hates it when we take courage. He hates it when we praise God in the hallway where there's no doors open. <coughs> he hates it when we praise God in the confusing times. God has a plan for you. God knows your plan. God will finish what he started. And all you have to do in the waiting is surrender to him and praise him. Praise him and surrender to him. Serve him and, and honour him with your life. God has an amazing plan for you. And he knows the plan. You don't. I don't. But he does. Given the right condition and time, he will finish what he started. So the soil of that that the condition, the soil is reading your word, reading the word, keeping in step with his Holy Spirit, reading your Bible and putting it into practice and allowing God to do what he does best. He works on our behalf and he will complete what he started. Just have a look at Job's life. We can, we can read all the way through to the end of Job's life and we see that Job actually finished with a blessing far greater than, his, than he started with. God has an amazing plan for your life. Trust him. Trust his timing and he's got it, he's got it all under control. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you do know you do have a plan for our lives. Each and every one of us, a different plan. None of us like the other. You have a purpose for us. Every single one. There are no accidents. And I thank you, Lord, that you know the plan that you have for us. I thank you that it's a plan to prosper. It's a plan not to harm. And it's a plan to bring hope and a future. And it's a plan that sometimes uses bad situations and loss and grief. You're a God who uses all things to work together for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And Father, we thank you that you are the Father of good things. You give good things to your children. We thank you, Lord, for your plan for us. We thank you that you know what the plan is. 
And Lord, we love to see glimpses of that plan. But God, we love you so much and we thank you that you love us so much that you don't shortcut the process. You love us so much that you wait to give it, give us the blessing when we're ready. And so, Lord, we come to you now with our hearts open and we ask, Holy Spirit, search our hearts. Teach us. We are, we are before you right now. Teach us. Lord, if there is any way that needs, that needs changing in us, Lord God, reveal it right now. Lord, if there's anything, any attitude, any unbelief, any doubt, any thought, process, any belief system, right now we, we, we surrender it to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that you'd give us the strength to walk away from here, putting into practice what you're teaching us in this step, in this process, that we might live uh, fully alive, that abundant life that you promised for us, Lord. And Lord, in the midst of the waiting, help us to trust you. Help us to rely on our faith in you, that we would, that we, we, we would trust you with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, we acknowledge you and get intimate with you and that you can sort out the rest for us and make it a straight path. We thank you, God, that you promised to finish what you started and we look forward to what you're going to do in our lives and in the lives around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.